Well, back at home, uh, we've got quite a copycat in our house. Um, when I do something, uh, oftentimes our little son Ezra will then copy whatever I do. That's, that's a dangerous game to play, especially to copy me. Uh, and so, uh, and I've got proof for you all this morning uh, that we have a copycat uh, on our hands. So Jesse, if you have uh, the video, uh, here's my proof that we have a copycat on our hands. Yeah, trouble is on our hands. Uh, the first video there, I, I would like laugh. My family makes fun of me because I got like 20 different laughs. And you know, sometimes I'll go. And as. Yes, thank goodness. Praise the Lord. He's got uh, at least one good influence, responsible influence uh, to watch after him. And so when I go, he would go. And then when I was, we were in the car and I go, ah, and he go, ah at the top of his lungs, and he lost his voice there for a bit. He had to regain it um, because whatever dad does is pretty cool, and so uh, he wants to copy uh, whatever dad does. Um, and imitating their parents is a way in which kids learn. This is one of the main ways in which kids uh, can learn, a way in which Ezra can learn to be like his knucklehead father. Um, so how many of you parents can relate with Jamie and I, where you either have or had a copycat in your house? Yeah, raise your hand. Yeah, a handful of you guys, or some of you guys uh, might be uh, the kids there uh, copying uh, your parents. Uh, maybe not now, but maybe uh, when you were younger. But it's not just children uh, that are copycats uh, either. Uh, I find uh, today that uh, I imitate my dad in a handful of ways. I, uh, I get uh, mocked for that as well, especially in my relationship with Jamie. They think it's similar to my uh, dad and mom's relationship as I imitate uh, my dad. In high school, uh, I took a handful, another example, I took a handful of different trips uh, to South Carolina, as that's where a lot of uh, my close friends were, even before uh, I was ever even interested in and Jamie, uh, who happened to live in South Carolina. Um, and so if you've ever been to South Carolina, uh, you notice they got a real southern twain. And y'all, how, how are you doing? And uh, as, especially one of my uh, best friends, uh, he, had, he had a deep uh, southern uh, twang. Um, and so after spending a couple of weeks uh, in South Carolina with my buddies down there, I'd go up to Michigan, and my family would ask Kyle, why are you talking weird? Why are you talking like you're a southerner? And uh, it's just after time... I imitated the way in which they spoke. But after a couple weeks uh, of the, the regular normal, uh, northern uh, dialect, uh, I started uh, to talk like a, a Midwesterner. Um, but that was one way in, in which I imitated uh, my friends down south. And, we, and this is a natural process. We all rub off on each other, and we all imitate each other if we spend enough time uh, with each other. I'm sure you all have a number of different examples running through your head, whether you imitate 
imitated someone in your life, whether that be your parent or sibling or friend or whatever it may be, or you may have experienced, especially maybe as a parent, um, a kid or someone else imitating you. And this is a natural process of being human as we like to fit in. For whatever reason, Ezra likes to fit in uh, with his father. I may want to reconsider that in the future. Um, uh, But did you know that we are actually commanded to copycat? We're commanded to be a copycat in the Bible. More specifically, we are commanded to imitate in the Bible. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. That's going to be our focus as we continue our series on being a member of God's church. The first week, we kind of talked about what the church is. It's the group of people that belong to God. We took a look at where the church has been, where it is, and where it's headed, ultimately God's coming kingdom. And then ever since then, we've been taking a look at the different expectations of being a member of God's church. And if we want to be a member of God's church, one of the expectations for us is that we have to live a godly life. We must live a godly life if we want to be a part of God's church. And so a godly life is a phrase that we throw around a lot um, in the Christian circles. Uh, I was even curious whether or not uh, they used it in the scriptures or if it was just something uh, that we made up. But sure enough, it is found in the scriptures. And, And I had asked myself, what does it mean? What does it mean to live a godly life? And that got me questioning, wondering, I I went on to the powerful source of Google and uh, looking at different sources, what exactly does it mean to live a godly life? Because if I'm going to talk about what it it looks like or talk about living a godly life, I should probably know what it means to live a uh, godly life. Um, But I think it all revolves around imitating God. It revolves around imitating the character of God revolves around imitating the feelings of God and God's desires that he has in our heart. When we imitate him, then we are living a godly life, all about imitating God. So we should reflect and imitate his attitude and character, and we should reflect what he wants in life. So since God loves people, you know, that's his character. He is a loving God. Then if we want to be a, a godly person, then we better love people. We better reflect his love unto other people. Since God hates sin, another part uh, of his character, uh, uh, of his desire, his attitude, since he hates sin, then it'd be godly for us to hate sin as well. We don't hate the people, but we, but we should hate the sin that we commit. We should hate the sins that, that our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are committing. God hates sin, and so it would be godly to hate sin as well. And since God is merciful, it would be godly of us to imitate, to reflect that mercy onto others as well. And so since God wants every single person to repent of their sins and to be saved, you better believe it. That would be godly of us to desire everybody to repent of their sins and to be saved and to spend an eternity with God and his coming kingdom. And so these are just a couple of examples of what it looks like to live a godly life. But again, it all boils down to imitating our heavenly father, imitating his character, imitating his heart's desire, and imitating uh, his attitude in life, which is perfect. It's perfect because, again, we naturally imitate others. It's a natural process. I didn't have to work at it when I uh, went uh, and hung out with my friends down in South Carolina. I didn't have to work on, uh, you know, talking in the Southern dialect. It was natural. It was natural that I imitated them. 
You know, it's natural that kids imitate their parents and, and those around. It's natural that you imitate the people in which you spend a lot of time with. And so as we grow closer to God, you better believe that we naturally imitate him. And so we all have to focus on growing closer to God day in and day out because, again, you imitate those that you are close with. And so not only is this a natural process of imitating our Heavenly Father, but again, as I mentioned this morning, it is a command. We are commanded to imitate God. And we can find this command in the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. And here Paul talks about the command to imitate God, a command that might shock some of us. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul writes, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God. The command cannot be any more clear for us. We are, to, we are to imitate God in our lives as we are his beloved children. You know, when we give our life over uh, to God, when we accept the sacrifice of Jesus, one of the many blessings of that sacrifice is that we can be an adopted son or daughter of God. And so we, as children of God, we are commanded to imitate our heavenly Father. So it's a natural process, and we are commanded to imitate our Father. Now, some of us, that might shock us. Some of us, it might sound blasphemous to even suggest that we should imitate God. And for some of us, we may be thinking, uh, in a sense, that we think we are God, we have the power and authority, but we have to realize we aren't God. We don't have that power. We don't have the authority. We don't have the ultimate judgment. But we do where we must imitate his character. We must imitate his feelings. We must imitate his heart's desire in our lives. So you better believe that we have got to imitate who God is as our heavenly father, just like a child imitates, or, yeah, imitates their parents. And so Paul continues in chapter 5, and he continues as to what it looks like to imitate God. And so we'll read this description a bit in Ephesians chapter 5. In verse 2, excuse me, Paul writes, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so if we want to imitate God, Paul says that we have to walk in love. We have to exhibit love on a daily basis. And this makes perfect sense because in the, in the book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it states that God is love. And so if we want to imitate God, then you better believe that we must walk in love. And you know, the perfect image, the perfect representation of God is Jesus. And we are to love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we have to walk in love if we want to imitate our heavenly father. And Paul continues in verse 3, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, 
no question, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So not only do we have to walk in love if we want to imitate God, but we have to put away the filthiness in our life. We have to put away the sexual immorality. We have to put away the covetousness, being an idolater. For those people, Paul states clearly, they have no inheritance in the kingdom of God, the ultimate hope that we have as Christians. And so sexual immorality, that this is a common form of filthiness talked about in the Bible. And let me tell you, it's a common form of filthiness today in the 21st century as well. Any sexual act or thought not between a husband and a wife is sexually immoral. And so if we want to imitate God, we have to get rid of that filthiness, that, those filthy acts and those filthy thoughts. We have to put away idolatry. You know, idolatry, the issue of putting anything above God. When we are putting these good things at the ultimate things. When we place our family on a higher pedestal than God. When we place our freedom in this nation on a higher pedestal than God. When we place the patriotism in America on a higher pedestal of God. These are all idols that we can have in our life. And if we want to live a godly life, if we want to imitate God, we have to to get rid of that filthiness in our lives. And he gives us a a stark warning that if you partake of these things, if you partake of these filthy acts, then we have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And so if we continue in this this description of what it looks like to live a godly life, verse 7 reads, Therefore, do not become partners with them, them being the sons of disobedience. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And so if we want to imitate God, here Paul says that we are not to be sons, or we are not to be partners with the sons of disobedience. And so if someone lives a life of of disobedience, if someone lives a life of sin, then we have to be careful of that. We have to be careful of that because we talked about, we, we, know, we all understand that we naturally imitate others. And so if we spend all of our time with sons of disobedience, if we spend all of our time with people who have habits and a lifestyle of sin, then it is only a matter of time before we start imitating the filthiness in their life, the same filthiness that we need to get rid of in our lives. And so we have to be careful of that. We, we, we can't spend too much time. They can't have too much of an influence on us. We need to try and have an influence on, on them, and we need to have that relationship with them. But they shouldn't be our closest relationships, the people whom we imitate in our lives. So spread yourselves uh, from uh, these the sons of disobedience, or before long, you will start to imitate these sons of disobedience. 
And so Paul continues in, in verse 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that's kind of a rapid fire here. Paul covers, he covers a lot in this section. But we see in, in, in verses 15 through 21, we see that first off, we have better make the best use of our time. In verse 16 there. Oftentimes, we neglect uh, the, the sin of being lazy, not, not making the best use of our time. Solomon, the, the, the author of Proverbs, he talks about this time and time again throughout the book of Proverbs and how we have to stay away from uh, being lazy. Instead, we should imitate the ants. He says we should imitate them as they are constantly working, working together for the good of their community. And so we have to make the best use of our times, staying away from being lazy and doing nothing with the gifts and the resources that God has blessed each and every one of us. As God, he, he, he is super responsible. He is super resourceful. And we have to be resourceful of the time that God has blessed each and every one of us with. Second, we have to understand what the will of the Lord is. We have to know what God wants. If we want to imitate God, then we have better know what he wants in this life, what he wants for each and every one of us. And so we have to have that relationship with God. We have to find out through prayer and reading his word what God's will is in our life. And your eyes will be open to that. You'll find that God wills for you to repent. You'll see that God wills for you to go and make disciples. You'll see that God wills for you to go and love your enemies. These are all, this is all the will of God that expressed through his word. And on a more specific individual level, you, you can discover God's will for you and your life through prayer, through spending that time with God, through communicating with God. And so if we want to imitate God, if we want to live a godly life, we have to be aware, we have to understand what the will of the Lord is. And in third, in, in verse 18, Paul says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So don't get drunk with wine. Stay away from the temptation of drunkenness. Uh, I, I, I would bet that you probably get there a lot faster than you think. And so we have to stay away from that temptation. Do not get drunk with wine. But instead, instead of getting filled with the wine, getting, getting drunk off the wine, we shall be filled with the Spirit, with God's Spirit. What we talked about last week, when, when God fills us with his Spirit, we have access to the gifts of the Spirit. We have access to be a great prophet or someone who has great hospitality or any of these other number of different gifts that are accessible only through the Holy Spirit. And we can then exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. So instead of getting filled with wine, we should be getting filled with the Spirit. And then finally, we need to give thanks at all times. If we want to imitate God, we have to give thanks at all times. This is a hard message to hear sometimes. As we all go through our different trials and tribulations, 
we have members of our church suffering deeply as we speak. It's difficult to hear that we should give thanks at all times. Verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father. Man, that's difficult. That's difficult. Much easier said than done. But if we want to imitate God, then we've got to give thanks. We've got to have that grateful attitude in our lives, giving thanks at all times, no matter what life may throw at you. Because no matter what you may be going through in this world, you can always, and I mean always, be thankful that we have a Heavenly Father who loves us, Heavenly Father who gave up His one and only Son for each and every one of us, that we can partake in God's coming kingdom. So we all have reason, 24-7, to give thanks at all times. And so this brief descriptions in chapter, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 21, it gives us an idea, it gives us just, just a small glimpse of what it looks like to live a godly life. And again, it's all centered around, it all boils down to imitating the character of God. And so if we want to be a part of God's church, if we want to be a part of the group of people that belong to God and will partake in God's kingdom, that we have to imitate God. We have to live a godly life. Seems simple enough, right? Unfortunately, it's not as easy as it is simple. As this living a godly life, imitating God, it takes a lot of hard work. It takes training. Recently, uh, I've been uh, going to uh, the gym uh, just twice a week. Um, uh, sometimes I, I fail at that as well. Um, but uh, the thought of, of working out at the gym is easy. But when you put in the actual work, it's difficult. The actual work of going to the gym, the training, the physical training of my body, it is not easy. It takes a lot, a lot of work. And Paul compares the same process of training our bodies to training ourselves to living a godly life. Well, we could see this in the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, so just a couple of books after um, the book of Ephesians. 1 Timothy chapter 4, in verses 6 through 10, we see this comparison of the training of our bodies and the training of of living a godly life. as It's simple to live a godly life. We, we just have to imitate God, but again, it's not as easy as it is simple. And so 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 10, it reads, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourselves for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. And so Paul here, he starts off by saying, have nothing to do with these silly doctrines, these silly myths, but rather instead of dealing with these silly doctrines, these silly myths, these silly teachings, instead we should be training ourselves for godliness, training ourselves for godliness. And he doesn't just say be godly, but we have to train for it. It takes 
work. It takes hard work to train. With training comes hard work. There's some value in training our bodies, as Paul mentioned. There, there is value in going to the gym and, and living a healthy life. But all the more value is training to live a godly life. As when we train to live a godly life, not only will we be blessed in this present life, but we will be blessed in the age to come. That is the kingdom of God. When we live a godly life, we'll partake with God in his coming kingdom. And so taking care of our physical bodies, training our physical bodies, that's a good habit to have. But all the more important, doesn't even compare, we need to be training to live a godly life. It does not just come like that. You know, a lot of people, they kind of have this expectation that they, when they give their life over to God and Jesus through the waters of baptism, they just expect that life is going to go great, it's going to be easy, but then reality sinks in. Reality sinks in, and we realize it's not that easy. It takes work. It takes training. It's a process. We have to get stronger. We have to more closely imitate God on a daily basis. It is a battle. It is a warfare. There is a spiritual warfare going on. And sometimes this process can get very, very messy. When you go to the gym, sometimes you can wear yourself out and get all sweaty and stinky. And training to live a godly life can get messy as well. Sometimes we have to combat that temptation head on. Sometimes we have to combat that temptation to partake in sexual immorality. Sometimes we have to partake in that temptation to have an idol in our life, and we have to combat that head on. And let me tell you, sometimes we let our guard down for a moment, and we take one step back. We fall down, we take one step, but we have to get back up, and we have to take two steps forward. As you'll be broken down, but you have to rebuild yourself. It's kind of a, a beautiful process of working out. When you're working out, you're actually breaking down your body. But the important part is your body then recovers. So whenever you get beat down in life, you have to recover. When you take one step back, you have to take two steps forward. Because I'm telling you, you're going to have those times where you take a step back in life. But you have to get back up. No matter what life may throw at you, no matter what temptation of sin or anything else, don't hang your head. Again, living a godly life is not meant to be easy. It's not meant to be easy. If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. But nothing good comes easy. And man, that holds true with living a godly life. The benefits are immeasurable. You can't measure the benefits of living a godly life, both in the present age, in our present lives, and in the life to come, in the age to come. But let me tell you, it takes hard work. So in order to be a part of God's church, we've got to live a godly life. We have to imitate the character, the feelings, and heart's desire of God. And this is going to make you stick out in the world. We, I think we're all aware that we are not living in a very godly world. The world is not really imitating the character and the heart's desires and the feelings of God. And so we're going to stick out like a sore thumb throughout the world as we live a godly life in an ungodly world. If you aren't sticking out, then maybe you should reflect, hey, am I really imitating the character, the feelings, and the heart's desire of God? 
And so as we work on imitating, as we work on training our bodies to live a godly life, you can break it down into two simple steps. Remove and replace. Remove and replace. We need to remove our natural, fleshly desires, character, and and feelings that we have, and we need to replace them with the desires of God, the character of God, and, and God's feelings. So remove your natural, fleshly self and replace it with God's desires, characters, and feelings. And when we do that, when we do train our bodies to live a godly life, then we will partake with God and his son Jesus in the coming kingdom as God's church. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. Father, I pray that each and every one of us, we learn to train ourselves to live a godly life, that we learn to remove the filthiness, the baggage in our life, and Father, that we learn to replace them with your character, with your feelings, and with your attitude in this life. So Father, I thank you so much for this word. Thank you so much that you reveal your will to us. And Father, I pray that we can exemplify your will in our lives. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the gift of eternal life only possible through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen.